are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. I have never been in the White House. I've been in the White House. I've never been in the Oval Office. Perhaps some here walked into that Oval Office. It must be a very exciting event. If you have been in the Oval Office, don't raise your hand now, but at the door, I'd like to have you tell me what it must have been like. It just must be amazing to enter into that. I've never been in the presence of a king. I led an ambassador to Christ, ambassador to Germany, from the Philippines on an airline one time. Very amazing to sit next to that person on the plane going across the ocean, just being in that very presence. Uh, I've never been offered a lot of places that are really unusual. Maybe you have. But in order to go to these places like the White House or like the Oval Office or like a senator's office or congressman's office, you must always receive permission. The few times I've been in Washington and met with key officials, it's a process. And I know we have to send our background and our information and they do a check and it's a long ordeal. Then we have to go early and stand in line and go through special security and they put you over here and more. It's a big deal to get in. You know that. If you've ever been in the Supreme Court, and I do know this, you have to have special permission. If you're gonna sit in the Supreme Court, it's an amazing room to see Moses on that wall up there above the speaker's head. It's amazing to be able to get there. I have never, many of you in military, you've been there. I've never been in a general's office. It just must be amazing. People that have such authority and such power Brother Blacks, and I imagine you've been in a position like that and Colonel Harder as well and others. To be able to enter into a place that really you receive special permission, you know where I'm going. The high priest in the Old Testament was the only one that could enter into the Holy of Holies. The portable tabernacle was a building that was 15 feet wide one section was 15 by 15. The next section where you entered in here was 15 by 30. And then they had a gate and a fence, pillars all the way around that temple, that tabernacle. The priest would go in and hear, uh, you know all the articles that sat on this building side, 15 by 30, they formed a cross. It was an amazing thing. Whether it was the table of showbread, the uh, candlesticks, and, and, and brother, brother Bertram was so good when he described those candlesticks to us because those candlesticks had 39 knobs on this one and 27 on this one and one in the middle. Jesus Christ and 39 Old Testament books and 27, and it yet had not been put in a canon. 
God was telling us way back in that wilderness experience, there's gonna be the word of God. Let it guide you as a light under your path. And then the high priest would care for the blood sacrifice and animal, and then he would go into this 15 by 15. Nobody was allowed there but the high priest. You know the story, I've said it before, the high priest would have a robe and would have the bells at the bottom of his robes, and some judges, particularly in the East Coast, still have bells on the bottom of their robes. One judge was very frustrated. He said, these bells drive me crazy. What are they for? And a preacher said, it it comes from the Old Testament. Because when this high priest once a year would come into this 15 by 15 area, you don't know if he was on the floor sleeping. He had a function to fulfill. He had to apply the blood for his own sins and for the sins of the people. And those, those bells would tell the people he's doing his job. He's fulfilling his task. But no one came into the holy of holies but the high priest. When Jesus died on that cross and the veil of the temple split in twain, you could see into the holy of holies. Things have changed as a result of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, verse 14, take a look at it. The Bible says this, seeing then we have a great high priest that has passed into heaven. Well, I wonder who this is, this great high priest that can offer blood sacrifice for my sin and at the altar in heaven. I wonder who this is. It's not the Catholic church. It's not the Baptist church. It's not an independent, fundamental, separated, temperamental Baptist church. It's not the Southern Baptist, the Northern Baptist. It's not your mother. It's not Mary. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. Who is this great high priest? Well, the scriptures tells us he's passed into heaven. Jesus! The Son of God, he accomplished a task at Calvary and then rose from the grave and now he's making intercession on our behalf. I sin and the devil, Revelation 12, goes and accuses me at that throne and the Father sees Jesus and Jesus covered all my sin. Those sins don't stick around the throne of grace. God says, because we have this great high priest, verse 15, for we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Was it two weeks ago, 2 Corinthians 12, 9, that we saw that Paul was given a thorn in the flesh and he found that grace for those infirmities, we kept seeing that word, just remind myself of it right now, how many times he saw those infirmities because he experienced grace in his suffering. Grace is unmerited favor, it's undeserved. I don't deserve this grace. And God says today that this high priest cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, tried, tested like we, yet without sin. And now our text. I wonder if you could read verse 16. 
one of the most precious verses in the Bible for our Christian life. To think that this high priest, Jesus Christ in heaven, I can speak to him and he pleads on my defense for my sin. Look at verse 16. Let us read it together. Ready, begin. Let us therefore come unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy You know, we have uh, three grown children. They're all in the ministry serving the Lord. And we love our kids, their mates, and our grandkids. When our children were small, they were born in this church. They were raised in this church. They went from kindergarten through college in this church. God blessed us with three amazing children. I recall through the years, especially when they were in our home. I would call the secretaries together. I told our children this, but I said to the secretaries, I want my children to always have access to their dad. We have trained them to go to the secretary and say, I'd like to see my dad. And, and the secretary can say, your dad's in an appointment right now, but if you wanna go in, you can go see him anytime. I did not want, and none of our secretaries through the years would have ever wanted to hold our kids back from access. They might have said, your dad is leading someone to Christ right now. I could hear them. And our children would have to make the choice that I think we'll just wait till he's finished. Our kids, when they were young, had access at all time to their father and mother. I have now, uh, here on this office, I have a, ready room. It's underneath these bleacher seats over here. And there's a code to open the door. I'll I, I just go ahead and tell you right now, it's 6666. No, that's your code to your office, Dorian. Uh, but there's a code. I was, I was in there a few weeks ago right before church, and I was uh, at meeting with a, a man, and um, all of a sudden I heard that code. And it opened up. And it was one of the grandsons down here. And they opened up. They said, excuse me, Pop, I'm so sorry. And walked out. I said, no, come on in. You can, you're going to get some snacks for the kids tonight. Go ahead and get them right here. They have access. I love all your kids so much. Last week was my last Wednesday for the year with elementary chapel. No one has to, no one drags me to elementary chapel. You know, Carmen, I, I love being with your kids. Ashton's moving up to junior high. It's hard to believe. Sitting in the front row, sixth grade sits here, and then fifth and fourth, and all the way back to the last grade, the youngest grade. I look forward to coming to elementary. I look forward to high school chapel. Last Wednesday was the last of the year. And though I love your kids so much, I've never given the access to my inner study. And I have access, and you do too, to the throne of grace. You know, when we think of the word throne, and you'll find that word throne throughout the book of Revelation, but especially as you get toward the end of it, it's just, it's just all over the last several chapters, that throne, that throne, almighty God. And yet I have access to God almighty 
through his son, Jesus Christ, who is God. I have the right, I have the privilege to go bold. What does he say? You have the privilege, Jack, to go boldly to the throne of grace. I don't have to, I don't, I don't have to back in. I wonder if he's gonna beat me over the head with a baseball bat. God himself says, Jack, come on boldly. You come boldly. You come because you're a child of the king. I have welcome access. I have the privilege to come boldly to the throne of grace. But look, what else he says? That we may obtain, what's the next word, church? I love that word, mercy. I experience grace at the throne of grace. I experience access at the throne of grace. I, I experience mercy. Mercy is pity. Maybe you're, you're probably like me. I do wrong or react wrong, and it just tears me up. It, it bothers me. If I answer someone and I don't know, if I would answer something where I'm sharp or if I, if I am uh, this or that, it bothers me. And yet I have to come to the throne of grace. And God doesn't look at me, oh, Jack, you, you worthless piece of trash. When I go to his throne, he said, I have mercy for you, Jack. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied. I have mercy. As your children want to come into your presence and speak to you, always let your kids Hello, Brother Allen and Debbie, you see over there. Uh, your kids want to come, have, come, let them come bold. Come on, come on in here. Please come. Your kids, Daddy, I did so wrong. I'm not saying accept the sin. I'm ex saying accept the sinner. Son, come talk to me. Come talk to me, son. I, I text my son briefly this morning, told him I was praying for him. And he texts back immediately. And I saw it's a beautiful weather day, very cool there today. And he said, it's beautiful. He said, I love you, Dad, have a good day. And I text back, I'm getting so, Brother Upusin, you'll, you'll love this. I'm getting so yuppie. I said, you, just the one letter there, you and the number two. <laughs> I, I know, I, I, it's amazing. I was at a bank, I was preaching over the hill and I was at a bank, I had to stop in there that afternoon because there was some, I was trying to look for some, some check that I, and I, I, I write the checks. Not, I'm not like you heathen that do it all online. How do you do that? I have no idea. And I went to this bank I've been banking for for about 40 years and I went to the lady, I said, I just need to know if this check is cleared. And she said, well, go online. She didn't say, would you please go online or could you go? She goes, just go online. I said, I don't know how to do that. And she says, exactly. That's why we don't help you. It's people like you. When she got that far, boy, I tell you what, I was feeling it right there, you know. And I kept smiling. Just going to preach around the corner from that bank, so I said, I better be careful here. She might be a teller from that church. And I said, uh, I, she goes, you can make an appointment. 
I said, but I'm just here. She goes, well, we can give you one in about two weeks. I said, okay. I found no mercy with that girl. I prayed she'd get a hangnail, but uh, I don't know if guys, I didn't do that. That we might obtain mercy. And look what the next word he says. Find help. People need help. Ms. Trevor was answering questions in class this morning, a young couple's class. I don't care how old your kids get, and they're married, and they're on their own. If our kids need help, we want to help. If we can help, we want to help. If somebody in our family today has some serious medical need, I know, I know I speak on behalf of my wife. We would sell everything we have. We would move into a one-room apartment if we had to to try to make sure that our family had a medical need met. We wouldn't even pray about that. Because if our kids need help, we're going to help them. They haven't called for help. They haven't asked for help. They haven't said, can you pay for the groceries? But if our kids had a serious need, I think of our granddaughter next month, two months, she'll be 17 driving on those L.A. freeways. I hate it that they're down there, by the way. You let them know that, please. Driving on those freeways, a little 17, 16, 17-year-old girl. And I was praying this morning, thinking about Ashley's sweet life. If she had any physical life-threatening need, guarantee it, we don't need to live in that house. We can sell that house. We can live in a tent or a cottage. Why should I care? We've got a loved one that needs help. We're going to meet the need, and that's what the high priest Jesus does. He helps us in the time of need. Many people don't understand how good God is because they get a trouble and they get mad at God. They get mad at the church. They get mad at the pastor. And your madness is a result that you've not found grace to help in the time of need. I close today. I want you to see that last statement. In the time of need. Would you say to help? Let's start find grace to help in the time of need. Ready? Begin. Find grace to help in the time of need. Grace, the throne of grace, finding grace, helping grace in the time of need. I love life so much. I just love it. But I'm experiencing what my mother and dad experienced at my age. Life is wonderful. But I think many of you think that as you get older, it gets easier. Life gets harder. I was having one of those moments a while back. And I said, God, I'd like to just run away with my wife somewhere. Just run away from it all. But when you run, you take your problems with you. 
You don't run away from your problems. Jonah, Jonah had his own agenda. I'm gonna do this. But Jonah did not realize that God could help him in his need. What was his need? He was afraid. He was fearful. He didn't want to do God's bidding. God says, go here. And he said, I'm going here. And it went from bad to worse. And finally, when he got down as low as he can, the belly of the fish and the bottom of the sea, the Bible said he went down the depths of the sea. When you get way down there, he looked up and he prayed. The Bible says, chapter two, verse one. And when he prayed, that fish got sick of that Baptist preacher in his belly and he regurgitated him out. God raised up Jonah. The greatest revival known to man was right there. And then he went from being a prodigal to being a praying prophet to being a preaching prophet to being a pouting prophet, both four chapters. You don't run from your problems, Fred. Say, I gotta get rid of this wife. I gotta get rid of this husband. I gotta get rid of my parents. All over America, there's graduations from eighth grade and from 12th grade and from college. And many people think as soon as we graduate, it is now licensed to live and act and to post and to do what I want to do. What you're announcing, you feigned yourself, you were a hypocrite all the way through, and now I'm gonna do my own thing. And they lift the wine and the liquor and the cheers to me. I graduated from a Christian school. I can do what I want. You're carrying your problem with you. You're magnifying it. I was speaking to a man who had greatly scarred up his body everywhere. And with admission, he said, I, I'm so frustrated all life. It started when my dad wasn't there. And everything I've done with my life is to try to get the attention of somebody. I remember he got saved and he said to me, he said, I, I want to remove all this. All these markings all over my body. It's going to be costly and painful. But I don't want to be identified with that life anymore because I'm a new creation in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Say, I wonder what kind of grace you need. Is it saving grace? You need to be born again? Then I have pled to God that you'd get saved today. Don't, don't let another day go by without Christ. Is it helping grace? Well, you have the boldness and the right to come boldly to the throne of grace and find help. God can help a lot better than the psychiatrist. He can help a lot better than that pill or that drug or that drink or that world or that whatever it might be. He can help in the time of need. What's your need today? I want you to, before I pray, what is your need? What, what is your spiritual need today? Have you gone to God boldly and said, here's my need? 
Here's my need. God, will you help me in the time of despair and this need? Will you help me with my need? He said, oh, my need was so great. And my kids have so destroyed my life. And even if they came back to God, it's so awful, the consequences. My son, someone says, sits in prison the rest of his life. But God could give you grace in your time of sorrow and need. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.